Welcome to Right Hook Podcast. I'm Steve Hook, your host. Welcome aboard to our big podcast here. Big, big show today. Stick around. Right Hook Podcast coming up now. And we are, we are back. Hello, everybody. It's Steve Hook with you. Welcome to Right Hook Podcast on Not Black, Not White American Media Group. Good to be with you. Uh, a lot has gone on in the last week. And I tell you, this is going to be the, uh, this is going to be going to be the trend as we get closer and closer to the midterms. Biden seems, and, and of course, the media seem to think that the wind is at their, is in their back now. They have we're seeing an uptick, and now he's only got 56% unapproval rating. Um, <laughs> the Democratic Party, ladies and gentlemen, is, I'm, t- I'm going to tell you something that you probably know already, despicable. And I don't mean that to be hyperpartisan, even though I know it is. I, I mean it because the facts bear it out. This is a party that has, for the last decade at least, really ramping up after the squad came into power and the whole woke movement started and all this cancel culture crap began. But the Democratic Party has embraced all of that and has become the most divisive force uh, on the in modern American politics. Now you would now, now on the other side they will immediately pivot to Trump. But for all Trump's rancor and all of his rhetoric and all of that He never did what Democrats actually do. Did Donald Trump go after Hillary Clinton, even though she absolutely violated the Espionage Act, among other things, and, you know, the old private server? We don't have to go through the laundry list of felonies that that woman has violated, but she violated quite a few. But this Democratic Party uses every possible wedge issue to further divide the nation and to further distract the nation from their disastrous reign of error. And it is a reign of error and, frankly, economic terror as well. It's not like all of a sudden they're pivoting. Now, they may be forced to pivot come November, God willing. I think that's almost a a given. I don't believe the polls that say, oh, it's tightening. Yeah, okay, sure. Talk to me after Labor Day. Oh, gas is down to $4 a gallon. Okay, that's great. Inflation's at almost damn near 9%. As I speak to you, the market is down almost 700 points today. So what do they do? They say, well, we need another gimmick. Uh, You know, we tried the Mar-a-Lago raid a couple weeks ago. More on that later. But we need another, I got it, let's buy some votes. You know what, we really need, because they subcategorize all the voters. That's why when the Democrats talk about voters, they always say, we're going to take care of the LGBTQ plus A community or whatever. We're going to take care of the uh, black uh, community. They they divide everybody. And that's why you get the old cliche, divide and conquer. This is what they do, and this is what they've done for a long time. But never so much as they have done in the last decade. And right now, they're trying the old... Pay for votes with other people's money scam. This student loan forgiveness is one of the biggest, most glaringly, transparently political moves in a long time. Uh, it the blowback has already begun from both sides of the aisle. By the way, it should be said there is some uh, 
well, I wouldn't go so far as to call them moderate Democrats, but there's some Democrats in some uh, in some districts uh, and in some states that this is not going to go over well with. And there's a whole raft of American people that are starting to take a whiff at what this is all about, and they're furious. Now, we've heard, and you've no doubt heard and probably talked amongst yourselves. I mean, anecdotally, I can tell you this isn't a very popular move, just from friends that I've talked to and people that I've talked to. To pay off the student loan, now, you're not going to pay it off. You know, you're going to pay $10,000 for anyone making under $125,000 a year that has student debt. Well, that's a whole hell of a lot of lot of money. And then anyone that got a Pell Grant is going to get $20,000 off their student debt. Now, the reason this is frustrating is obvious. A lot of people went to college and busted their ass to pay for it. Or their parents busted their ass so they could provide that college tuition. A lot of people just paid off their college tuition this year. They're going to get squat. And so I understand that. That's completely unfair to them, right? My wife just finished paying off her college debt not long ago. My daughter's got a whole bunch of it. But the point is, is it's not just the college graduates that did the right thing and paid off their own debt and had a little self-responsibility and, hey, you know what, a sense of independence and I'm going to do, I signed the uh, contract, I'll honor the deal. But it's also people that will never go to college, who never have been to college, who instead of saving their money for tuition, save their money for the tools of an electrician or a plumber, or they decided to become a a small business uh, auto mechanic repair shop, or whatever the case may be, dry cleaner, pest control. Pick your your blue-collar job of choice. And all of those mom-and-pop stores... Now, no doubt, there are plumbers and auto mechanics out there who are the heads of their households that also, as a matter of fact, helped pay their own son or daughter's way through college. Well, now they get to pay everybody's sons or daughters way through college, even though they've already been forced to swallow that huge nut and pay it all off. So within 38, 36 hours after Biden's stumbling, bumbling incoherency where he announced this. KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre. And I feel, I almost feel bad for this woman for a number of reasons. First of all, she is totally unsuited to be a press secretary. She never answers questions. She dances around them. And secondly, she's got to be a press secretary for the worst, most corrupt president (laughs) of the last century. So she's trying to uh, explain all of this. Uh, let's listen to this one. This is cut one, KGP not being political by being completely political. Cut one. As you know, I can't get into politics from here, so I have to be very, very careful. I do want to call, I do want to talk through some polling. Uh, so if you look at the targeted student loan forgiveness, uh, that the announcement that you heard from the Department of Education and the president, it's popular amongst American people. 
three recent polls show that the president's proposal, the 10,000 K uh, forgiven, is supported by majority of Americans. A couple of polls. The Morning Console political poll in June among 2006 uh, registered voters found 51 percent support for giving $10,000. NPR, a survey of 1,022 adults conducted last month, found 55 percent of respondents back the cancellation of up to $10,000. The Economist YouGov survey of 1,500 adults in July found 51 percent of Americans are in favor of that threshold. So their majority of Americans approve of this targeted approach uh, that you heard from this administration, and I think that matters. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not going to get into politics and to what <laughs> is the next uh, several weeks are going to look like as, as uh, you know, the elections uh, play out. Uh, but I can speak to the popularity of what we did, uh, the importance of what we did, oh how this is going to help struggling families. And that has always been the plan of this president, especially as we look at the economy and making sure that we do not leave anybody behind. That is, that is just a whole bunch of crap. First of all, every poll she mentioned, did you notice, was at least a month old. <clears throat> so it was long before this was actually announced. I mean, hell, you go up to any man or woman in the street and say, hey, do you think it's fair that these students have $100,000 in student debt? Do you think that they should be forgiven $10,000? Most people would just kind of say, yeah, why not? Sure. But then when you put it to them a little bit more succinctly, do you think it's fair that $10,000 stretched out over 13 million college graduates should be paid for by people who either already paid off their college loans or have never been to college and are barely scraping by to make ends meet now. Do you think those taxpayers should be socked with this? I bet you would get a different re reaction to those polls, don't you think? And that's exactly what's happening. Now people are saying, wait a damn minute. This isn't fair. And then, of course, you've got the millennial punditry class saying well wait a minute boomer you didn't pay as much as we did okay well we'll get to that in a minute but it was sold on a sham and it sold 90 days before an election in hopes to buy some votes so real clear politics phil wegman and i this guy's a pretty sharp reporter I, he started talking to kjp uh, P about how is this how, how is this economically responsible, essential? Listen to this. Cut to go. If you take a closer look at the White House fact sheet that was released, um, the White House cites a construction worker who makes $38,000 a year as a potential candidate for, for this student loan relief. You also cite a $77,000 a year earning nurse, and that sounds great, but I'm, I'm wondering... Why did you structure this policy in a way that would provide up to $40,000 in debt for a married couple making up to $249,000? I mean, why include folks who have gone to post-grad, you know, law school or, or business school? Is that really bottom-up, middle-out? Uh, yeah, it is. You know, as we've made clear, nobody in the top 5% of incomes is going to get a single dollar under this proposal. Um, and actually, we have very good data showing that folks even making uh, in that range that we talked about that near the top of the income cutoff uh, are much more likely to be experiencing distress after repayment starts. There's good data on it. And look, again, as Ambassador Rice said, we welcome having this debate. If you look at this chart, 
you can see that 87% of the dollars overall are going to, to people making under $75,000 a year. Uh, and zero dollars, zero percent, are going to anybody making over $125,000 in individual income. And, and just because I've seen some criticism from, from Republicans on this today, it's instructive to compare that to what the Republican tax bill did in 2017. It's basically the reverse. 15% of the benefits went to people making under $75,000 a year, and 85% went to people making over $75,000 a year. And if you zoom in even more on that, uh, people making over $250,000 a year got nearly half of the benefits of the GOP tax bill and are getting $0 under our bill. So uh, we think that this is a classic example of what the president talks about in middle-up uh, economics. It's going to families that really need it. Uh, okay, okay. Of it, uh, I, I set that up wrong. I said it was KJP, but it wasn't. That was He was speaking to, that was Phil Wegman from uh, Real Clear Politics, talking to the Economic Council Director, Bharat Ramurti, uh, I guess that's it, Rabat, Rab, Barat Rabmurti. Anyway, did you hear that number, folks? A married couple that is making up to $245,000 a year collectively gets $40,000 in debt relief. And Phil Wegman white, rightly pointed out, he goes, according to the, we, the White House's own website, a construction worker making $37,000 a year is also eligible for this. I ask you folks, how many construction workers making $37,000 a year do you know of that have got that are college graduates? Most of construction workers that are making $37,000 a year are laborers. They may be laboring their way through college to pay it off themselves, but they're not typically college grads. This is a payoff. That's what this is. It's obvious what it is. And we are all going to pay for it. Whether you went to college, didn't go to college, paid off your loan, never took a loan, doesn't matter. You are buying votes for the Democrats, whether you want to or not. So shut up about it. You're probably a deplorable MAGA fan, semi-fascist, as Biden recently said. Now, everything with the Democrats, ladies and gentlemen, is a stunt, a political stunt a political distraction. Just look back over the recent history. I mean, good God, it, it, it's littered with it. Oh my God, Trump paid Russian hookers to pee on him in a bed. Stunt. Leaked, fake, BS story that the media said, oh, we didn't really want to talk about it, but the fact is, yes, well, it's been floating around for a while. Yeah, they prop it up. That's a stunt. The Democrat Party, in this case, the Russian dossier story was foisted upon the nation. And we know this now beyond shadow of a doubt because even the New York Times, several years too late, is now copying to the fact that this was all a stunt by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. And really the FBI, segments of the DOJ, you know, and foreign entities as well. This is what they do. The raid on Mar-a-Lago, a stunt, but a dangerous stunt because it sets a precedent. Now imagine, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, I want to I just put this to you. Imagine, if you will, when President Trump was running against Biden that his FBI raided Biden's personal house in Rehoboth Beach and removed all papers that were Biden's 
when he was vice president for eight years under Barack Obama. How do you think the media would play that? An unquenchable hatred for one man is all the Democrats have right now. And they're going to milk it for all it's worth. That's why you hear this, uh, what the hell was his name again? Uh, Bharat Ramurti talking about uh, Trump's tax cuts. Well, you see, in the other way, Trump, what Trump did. Now, mind you, what he's saying is Trump gave more people more of their own money back. But to Democrats, that's taxing the poor. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not at all. But they've convinced a whole bunch of their followers, and the media goes along with it, that that's what really happened. Tax cuts are not tax increases. Period. Oh, but it takes money money away from what? We now have over $7 billion, I think it's up to $13 billion, in waste, fraud, and abuse of COVID relief fund checks. You don't hear a damn word about that. All right, so let's do one more cut on this one because then I want to get to, uh, I want to kind of really underline what all of this student loan debt and all of this crap, where it all started from. Now, this is FJP again. And she's being questioned about the fiscal, you know, you keep saying it's fiscally responsible, but is it really? Cut three, go. Take two more. I'm going to take two more. Matt, and then I'll go back one more. Yeah. You, you, you said a couple of times that this is a fiscally responsible way of doing this. But can you explain a little bit about how you guys think it is fiscally responsible? Because you can't say how much it's going to cost. You can't say exactly how it's going to be paid for. And you can't say exactly who is paying for the cost. I, I get how you're arguing that it helps certain yeah. populations, but yeah. how is it fiscally responsible? I mean, the way that the way that we are talking about it and what we're trying to say is we the, the actions that we have taken, and you see this uh, with uh, the way that the deficit has been reduced, uh, we have taken uh, just uh, the last 19 months, and I see that look that you're giving me well, there. Well, Matt. I, I well, hear the but, argument but, that you've taken previous fiscally responsible right, actions that right, believe you, well, you give you more wiggle well, room to be Right. It gives us no, 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 no. We're we. I mean, we see this. We do not see this as irresponsible. We see this as a fiscally responsible, balanced approach to doing this. And I remember people have said, "Why don't you do fifty thousand? We don't want to do that because we want to make sure that we do this in a fiscally responsible way. Again, not pleasing everyone, but making sure that we keep that promise, but also do it in a smart, fiscally responsible way. Again, I'm going to use that word because that is what our process has been and I use the example of the, the uh, uh, of the 350 billion in deficit reduction and the 1.7 trillion reduction in okay. deficit okay uh, you can stop her here's the thing she didn't answer the guy's question did she no she threw out a whole bunch of word salad crap about what they have done you know what else they've done they've hired 87,000 IRS employees what do you think those people are doing well, I'll tell you what, they're going to make damn sure that you pay your taxes for one reason, to help prop up this boondoggle of the student loan. They said it was $300 billion. Then the Council for, I forget exactly what the, what the acronym is, but it's the Council for Responsible Government Spending or something along those lines. They came out two days ago and said, no, wait a minute, the real price tag is going to be $508 billion, roughly, at least today. 
And then you hear it on the news. Well, you know, some people say it could be up to $500 billion. See how they leave the $8 billion off? Now, I know that seems like chump change, but $8 billion is not chump change. He just, he's also spent $80 billion on the IRS. What do you think this is all about, folks? It's about separating you from your money. That's what it's all about. This is intentional. There's nothing compassionate about this. This isn't kind-hearted. Oh, but you don't understand, Steve. You're a boomer. You didn't have the exorbitant prices that today's students have. You're right. You're right. And that begs the question, why are college tuitions so high right now? Well, let's go back to the not-so-far-back machine about nine years ago, okay? That would have been 2013. This is from CNS News. Listen to this. Now, this is, again, an article from November 5th of 2013, damn near 10 years ago. Student loan debt owed to the federal government is up 463% under Obama. That's right. Since President Barack Obama took office in 2009, the amount of outstanding federal student loan debt owned to the government, owed to the government, has skyrocketed, increasing by 463%. The balance owed currently stands at get this number, 674,580,000 compared to 119,803,000 where it stood in January of 2009 according to Fiscal Management Services latest monthly treasury statement. So this is from the treasury looking at it. Now you look at that direct federal student loan spending. Now I I know this sounds like boring number stuff, but it's important that you understand what we're saying here. Direct federal student loan uh, spending began to rise rapidly in the fiscal year 2010 when the Health Care and Education Reconciliation Act, one of the two laws that ended up making up Obamacare, gave the federal government complete control over federal loans for education. The direct student loan, or the DL program, uh, is the name of it. The aspect of it became effective July 1st, 2010, when the amount of outstanding loans stood at $178,806,000,000. Since then, so since July 2010, up until 2013, that's only three years, folks, and this is nine years ago, so you can imagine how much it's gone up since then. But from July 1st, 2010, when it was at $178,806,000,000, now it had increased by 277%. This is in 2009. What am I telling you? Well, here's a quote. Under the DL program, that's the Direct Loan to Student Program by the federal government, the federal government essentially serves as the banker. It provides the loans to the students and their families using federal capital, i.e. funds from the U.S. Treasury, and it owns the loans. Who subsidizes the U.S. Treasury? We do. Taxes. The government doesn't make money. So once Obama, in order to get Obamacare through and to say we've got the money for it, he, what did he do? He folded in the student loan program and federalized it. And once he federalized it, tuitions just skyrocketed. They jacked up. And I can tell you this from personal experience. 
I went on tours of colleges several years ago with my daughter, my youngest daughter. One of the schools that she really liked was University of Alabama, beautiful school. If you've ever been there, the campus is gorgeous. It's a big school. It's a good school. And in her area of what she wanted to go into, one of the top schools in the country. She's graphic design, and they've got a very good program there. But she also just loved the area, Tuscaloosa, and she loved it. You know how much it was back then? $47,000 a year. Well, it just so happens my niece graduated from that school. When she graduated, only not even a decade earlier, and she was also an out-of-state student. She was from Georgia. She paid just over $22,000 a year. So in less than 10 years, it more than doubled. And that's because the federal government federalized the student loan program. Oh, and by the way, just to really underscore this point, since Biden announced this, NYU has raised its tuition to 87000 plus per year. They did it two days after this was announced. They raised their rates to eighty-seven grand a year. So the Democrats have artificially jacked up the cost of college tuitions, and then they use you to pay for their mistakes and couch it in compassion. And don't you want to help these people? And oh, by the way, this may bias a few votes from people that don't really know what's going on because, of course, our media won't tell them. But now you've just heard what's going on. Go check it out. Obamacare jacked up college tuition rates outrageously. And now you and I and every one of our neighbors is being asked to pay for it. Absolutely pathetic. All right, listen, that's going to do it for me, Steve Hook on Right Hook Podcast. I thank you for being a part of it. Again, saving the uh, nation one podcast at a time. We'll do it again next week on Not Black, Not White American Media Group. Until then, I'm Steve Hook. Goodbye. Welcome to Right Hook Podcast. I'm Steve Hook, your host. Welcome aboard to our big podcast here. Big, big show today. Stick around. Right Hook Podcast coming up now.